0: 630 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at 6 on 630 chad well they couldn't quite tie it up this afternoon the edmonton oilers lose 2-1 to the carolina hurricanes both the hurricanes goals in the first period teravinen scored ajo got one on the power play in the second period Derek ryan yet again an unassisted breakaway goal his fourth of the weekend the oilers actually outshot carolina 24 13 over the final two periods. But yeah, they just could not get the equalizer and they take the loss to drop to 29 21 and 3 on the season. The Hurricanes have won five straight. Excellent team. 37 37- 11 and four. Hope you're having a great Sunday. We're in the Friesen brothers broadcast center along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins for Heartland Ford overtime open line. Well, Rob, first of all, I I mean, overall, I thought that was uh, an excellent hockey game. I thought both, both teams played desperate. I I thought that some of the uh, skilled players at at times showcased their skills in, in a game that, that didn't have a lot of room at times. I thought both goaltenders stepped up with some big saves, when they were called upon and ultimately Carolina uh, did better in the period they dominated than the Oilers did in the period where they controlled the play.
1: Yeah, I agree. I thought it was an entertaining game. I thought uh, both teams had periods where they probably felt that they weren't at their best and were under stress for the entire 20 minutes. Edmonton in the first and obviously Carolina in the second. And then the third period, you saw why the Carolina Hurricanes are a a top team in the National Hockey League, one goal lead, they they shut it down. And there wasn't the uh, end-to-end chance for chance that we saw in the first 40 minutes. Uh, this was a game, and I said with Bob afterwards, the Oilers' two best games on the road trip, the two that they lost. This was a game that won bounce either way. Uh, you know, the Oilers were about two inches from ha- from having a one-nothing lead on the offside call. They hit a post. They had numerous scoring opportunities. Freddie Anderson was excellent. Uh, but in a game where everything has to be perfect or in a one-goal game, the Oilers matched Carolina in goaltending. Where they didn't match them in a one-goal game was on the specialty teams. Carolina scored a goal and the Oilers went over on their power play. And that's the difference in this hockey game. But again, the Oilers played well and probably deserved at least a point after this 60 minutes.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, the little things that decide a game, Robin, I'm glad you brought that up because we're going to update the power plays here for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with four locations, including a new one in Camrose. Check out Extreme with the next powerproducts.com. Canes go one for three on the power play. There were a lot of power plays early in this game, in the first period, and uh, the Oilers go 0 for 4. Two things didn't have McDavid for a four-minute power play after he took the high stick to the mouth. But having said that, give Carolina credit. We talked about it before the game, 90% on the PK this season. Their penalty killing is excellent.
1: It is excellent. Now, the, you're right. No McDavid for the four-minute power play or the four-on-three because they had a four-on-three for about a minute as well before the the, the four-minute kicked in. Uh, but Carolina, this, this is how good this team is. Their po- penalty killing is the best in the National Hockey League. They're a top-five power play team. And I went through their stats before the game. They have zero players on their team that are minus in the plus-minus, which means they're pretty good five-on-five. The Oilers have 12 players that are minus. Carolina, zero. But the penalty killing, as you go further in the season and then you get into the playoffs, five-on-five is so tight, and teams struggle to score. And you get in one-goal games, you need your power play to score for you or you need a big kill. Well, Carolina's got both of those things, and they got great goaltending. The penalty killing for Carolina tonight was, or this afternoon was excellent. It was aggressive. It it took away the time and space of of the Oilers star players and didn't give them a whole lot. So the Carolina Hurricanes penalty killing to me was the difference in this game. The four-on-three and the four-minute penalty that they killed off in the first period, it set the tone for the rest of the
0: game. Okay, Hurricanes win 2-1. Here's Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft.
2: Jay, uh, we just talked to Zach, and he ultimately boiled this down to a special teams battle. How disappointing is it to go 0-4 on the power play today?
3: Yeah, um, not ideal. Uh, we had a couple looks. Um, it didn't go in for us tonight. Credit the other team. They're one of the best kills in, in the National Hockey League. Um, but we didn't find a way on our power play, and our penalty kill gave one up uh, in i think that's an area that we can continue to clean up there was a mistake here or there and that led uh, to their goal um, but we can be better for sure and when you're playing a game against a team as uh, talented as this team as hardworking as the carolina hurricanes those are the the small moments within the game that you have to find a way to win and and tonight we didn't but that said, um, I thought our compete was off the charts. I thought they pushed us, we pushed them. It was a heck of a hockey game. There's lots of good in it. Yeah,
2: a lot of pushback, uh, but disappointing first period. Down 2 out outshot 16-6. Seemed like you guys got momentum after that no-goal call, uh, but ultimately just too many mistakes in the first
3: well yeah I, th- I think a few things happened in that first period number one we had a goal called back uh, i thought we had a pretty decent start in the first five minutes we did some things breakout wise that allowed us to play with a little bit of pace and and negate uh, one of the best four checking teams in the league uh we scored a goal got called back on an offside that's an unfortunate thing that happened um I thought we got the four-minute power play, and our captain and leader wasn't on the ice for that, and that affects things. Um, and in the end, there were a few mistakes that we made uh, that ended up in the back of our net, and we can clean those up, as I said. that's Those are growth moments for us as we move forward. But like I said, uh, I believe that there's a lot of good in that game. Uh, our team uh, showed me a lot in this this game in a tough environment in a back-to-back situation so um we're gonna go through that game and try and clean some of the things up that need to get cleaned up and we're gonna accentuate the good things that we did yeah, do you have any update on McDavid? I assume it's dental work with him, and of course Yamamoto didn't play today. That was his first game. out. can you tell us where his situation is? Sure, uh, McDavid uh, took one to the jibs there, and um, so this is a laceration and, and some dental work and that type of thing. He came back and played it in the rest of the game. So uh, for Yamamoto, he was banged up uh, in last night's or yesterday's game, and uh, I don't think it's anything uh, you know major going forward. So it's he's day to day and and dealing with some bumps and bruises.
2: Jay, one and two against the three best teams in the Eastern Conference, how did you evaluate your team's performance despite the record?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, I thought uh, we had a chance to win every game that we've played on this road trip. And uh, um, for me, the competitiveness of our team has impressed me through this first three games. Um, The level of opponent uh, has been excellent and each one of those opponents brought or presented different issues uh, for us as we went into that game and uh, I thought we tried to do some things through the first three games um, that I saw positive responses with our team uh, we had the chance to win each one of those games and um, you know what just like we don't over, over to get overly get high after a win we're not gonna um, do anything more than process this game Uh, we're gonna work on some things in practice and we're gonna get ready for a very game philadelphia flyers team on tuesday
2: last question for me jay when you go up against quality teams like this you're known as a detail-oriented guy does, does this really hone in on how fine detail and how fine tuned your team has to be because the margin for error is so small against yeah
3: the and, I, and i would say there were moments in this game that maybe didn't go uh, the way we wanted them to but there were a lot of really good moments and a lot of really good details in our game so i i would i would go there first is there things that we can uh get better at yes there are um but We're gonna stick with it. We're gonna keep growing our game, and um, look forward to Tuesday night. All
0: right, that is Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft. Rob, thanks for providing the musical accompaniment. I know you got your band there, ready to go whenever those interviews wrap up. (laughs) 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 See, Oilers lose two one. To the Carolina uh, Hurricanes. So yeah, not major for Yamamoto, who didn't play today, day to day, and he spoke about Nugent Hopkins before the game, who uh, got some pictures taken. So there was no further update. So unfortunately, it could be a little longer term for for uh, Nugent, but we'll find that out in the next couple of days. You know, uh, Rob. First of all, I got to congratulate Ron. He gets a fifty-dollar River Creek Resort and Casino gift card. He took the under. And set the line for River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement, bet on it. I, I set the shot total for the Hurricanes high today at 38 and a half, well under as they got 29 on the orders. Now the first period, I, I don't know about you, but watching, I, I did have some uh-oh moments, uh oh moments. 16 shots for Carolina in the first period, and they obviously got the two goals that that made the difference in the game so i mean again credit to them they they came out and and had the lead after the first period and ultimately that was a huge part of the difference today
1: well we've seen over the years that when you have a push and have a a period that you dominate you need to be rewarded because it always goes the opposite way the next period and carolina was rewarded they got two goals and when the Oilers had their push in the second anderson was good and and, and limited them to to uh, just the one against. so carolinas they got a they got a good team they got a deep team they got a fantastic goaltender and the others played well just unfortunate that one shot short and as we heard them talking about it was specialty teams
0: all right so 2-1 carolina takes it we're going to get more post-game reaction and time to hear from you as well on the Certainteed hotline the pros choice for roofing siding drywall insulation and ceiling system Certainteed pro all the way this is heartland ford overtime open line trevainen will we'll get the puck out to center ice right. They'll give it to Ajo, drop it,
3: here's Svechnikov, oh, and a save by Smith! Svechnikov sprung through the middle, and Mike Smith shut the door and
0: held on with 6.15 to go into third. Well, a good performance from Mike Smith today after a couple of rough outings. Unfortunately, he takes the loss, he stops 27 out of 29, Carolina beating Edmonton. 2-1 this afternoon freddie anderson stops 29 out of 30 that was smith's save of the game for reface magic transform your kitchen with ease see the magic at refacemagic.ca by the way freddie anderson in his career is now 17 one and two against the orders uh he was beaten well both goalies were beaten on shots that didn't count rob two offside challenges in the same game mcdavid 51 seconds into the game Fogle was offside and then brett pesci scored but uh, the canes were offside coming in about uh, four minutes into the second period
1: uh, the the pesci goal the, the carolina one that's one that it's it just unlucky as the the players going across and the carolina player making the pass made one little move a nice play by cc at the blue line forcing the puck to come back a little bit not force the offside the one where McDavid scored and full goes offside, that you can't have. That was just a player getting too excited and jumping in. The best player in the league has the puck on a stick. You have an odd man break. You you straddle that line. You you go in delayed to make sure that you don't go offside. So that one, again, uh, a one nothing lead a minute into the game, that's a different vibe for your team as the Oilers ended up being behind by two at one point. So it, uh, that was a huge, a huge turning point very, very early in a hockey game. So... That's one where Fogle has got to be much more careful crossing the line.
0: we got to hand it to Derek Ryan. This might be remembered as the Derek Ryan weekend. So, he, he, Rob, <laughs> yesterday he had a hat trick. He had a shot at the... Uh, uh, a fourth goal we didn't really talk about yesterday but he had a uh, a pass in tight in front of the net early in the third period that got stopped could have been a fourth goal he was on the ice a little bit late in the game when Carolina had the or when Florida had the empty net he never really got a great shot at it and then today he hits the post he had a shorthanded breakaway and then he had another breakaway on, on which he scored <laughs> I mean he, that's the great the guy got four goals uh, over the weekend he could have had five or six with a bounce or two
1: I think the word you're looking for him is perseverance. I mean, throughout his career, he has persevered from where he's come to to where he is now, but also this season. He's been a guy that at the beginning of the season they signed him to be I would think their fourth line center. He was bumped up early and had a nice start to the season with Cassian and Fogel, and then things went sideways and he found himself glued to the bench, he found himself press box, he found himself getting 6 minutes a night. Yet he kept he persevered. He worked hard in practice and when he got his opportunities, with the coaching change, he's made the best of it, and he's looked comfortable on the ice. He's looked confident on the ice. Usually, when a player steps in and moves up the lineup, but he hasn't been playing very much. There's a little bit of hesitation in their game. He has none, and a lot has to do with uh, he's a veteran. He's a professional. He understands the game of hockey. That at times you might have to wait your turn, but when you wait your turn, you better be prepared when your opportunity comes. And he's been he's been very. Uh, prepared for that opportunity and he's been very good so uh, Derek Ryan I don't you never ever question his effort but now you're seeing the the offensive upside that he has in his game that he's had throughout his whole career there's a lot of players that play in the National Hockey League that are third line players fourth line players penalty killers that at one point in their life whether it be junior or college they were offensive uh juggernauts they, they were great offensively But where they've been in the National Hockey League, maybe that team has no space in that spot. Benson's another example. But you've got to learn to adapt to a new role. Ryan has, and when opportunity knocked, he was able to jump into a, a more offensive type of line, and he's produced, and good on him.
0: Thanks to Derek Ryan's goal, James H. Brown and Associates, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results, giving $100 to 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. They give 100 bucks every time the Oilers score. So uh, Woodcroft mentioned McDavid you know, some damage to his teeth, needed a little dental work. So he missed the last 14-20 of the first period, right back out there for the second period. Now, Rob, Rob I know you uh, were an incredibly durable player and rarely, if ever, <laughs> needed assistance from any any sort of medical staff. But uh, t- take us behind the scenes, if, if you can. And, and look, I should you know, we don't know exactly what happened with, with McDavid, but if a player has some sort of a mouth injury, tooth, a tooth knocked out, what happens behind the scenes and how, how quickly does that all have to happen, happen to get him back into the game? I mean, a lot of us when we go to the dentist for something, we take the day off, right? Like we're not <laughs> thinking like, Oh, no, I'll be back at work in 40 minutes. Well,
1: we try to take full advantage. I did fight with my hockey Academy. I'll take a week off. if I lose a tooth. Um, First thing you do whenever anything comes up near your mouth, uh, whether it's a stick or a puck or an elbow, first thing you do is you rub your your tongue along your teeth just to see if they're still there. And if there's any chips out of them or any broken pieces, then if you feel it, then the first thing that goes through your your mind is a nasty word that you say very loudly because you're like, oh, I know what's going to happen now. Then you go in, there's always a dentist. Um, either the, the opposition team usually has a dentist there. They come in and Take a look at it, and then they do whatever dental work they knew in at the arena. Uh, I've, as I said at the end of the first, I expected McDavid to come back simply because uh, this is common. Hockey, I don't know many hockey players that have all their teeth. So you go in there, and they uh, sometimes they have to sew up the inside. The, the worst part of all by far is the needles. The needles in your lip or in your gums or in the top roof of your mouth—they hurt. <laughs> they're awful. A lot of guys when they're getting stitches don't get shot up with needles because it's more painful getting the needle than it is the stitch because usually you're in shock but then they just do it if there's nerve damage or if they have to do something just to numb the pain to get you through the game then usually after the game you'll go back and see the dentist to see what they can do to uh, get you through whatever part of the road trip you have left and you have an appointment right when you get home to see the dentist but more normally you see hockey players they'll go without teeth for a while it's a post career type thing where you get your teeth fixed that's why you see a lot of hockey players with big gapping smiles during their hockey careers.
0: Well, it's uh, funny. Uh, the, the show Tim and Friends uh, put out some video during the first period of McDavid holding his mouth, saying something like, McDavid needs a dentist, something along, along those lines. And former Oilers defenseman Craig Muni posted in reaction to that a picture of himself lifting the Stanley Cup when he played with this huge smile. And, you know, basically his top row, he has hardly any teeth at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, have you so have a- as
1: I said... I've got I got a number of pictures from different Christmases during my career where I'm smiling and there's a tooth missing. So do you even uh, know how
0: many teeth you lost?
1: Yeah, I know. I've I've lost, well, I've got about seven or eight that have got breaks and like chips off them, but I've lost two main ones. My two, two of the front teeth are are gone. One was with a skate. My first oh. ever lost tooth was in practice. We were playing baseball on the <laughs> ice with sticks and pucks, and I dove into home plate and ran into a guy's skate, knocked my tooth out, and the second one was a face-off. The guy stick him up and knocked another tooth out.
0: So, so wait a minute, you're, it it sucks. The, you lost you lost the tooth playing a fun game in practice. Yep. That's
1: not supposed yep. to well, happen. I was in I was in Kalamazoo. I was in the minors. Had, actually, Ken Hitchcock Hitch drove me to the dentist to get my uh, tooth fixed. One of the teeth that I lost, I think, I ended up going to the to the dentist. I think it was like thirty eight or forty times by the time they put an implant in and and gave me a new tooth. It's it's not a short process. It is a long long process that you go through. Uh, and it just sucks. But the worst part, by far, and he'll and this is what Mcdavid McDavid's gonna see, see for the next few days, trying to eat food. It, it sucks. Like you have to eat the blandest food ever because you're gonna have cankers and cuts in there, and then it just stings. It is not fun. That's the the one thing that I when I retired from hockey, one of my favorite things was not having to have cankers for weeks on end from all the elbows and shoulders I took to the face because cankers suck and you usually get lots of them when you get. Uh, when you lose a tooth or when there's cuts inside your mouth.
0: Oh, man. Okay. Well, there you go, kids. Playing in the NHL is a great job. You just... uh... (laughs) Wear wear your mouth guard, kids. Wear your mouth (laughs) guard. Wear wear your mouth guard. Well, (laughs) did you wear a mouth guard? Because we see a lot of players today, they have a mouth guard. Um, Well, do do you have to wear a
1: mouth guard in the NHL now? Is it a rule or
0: no? Right. But what I'm saying is, you, you see how it's often not well they chew on the proper them. position it, yeah exactly
1: it's more or less just a, a stress piece they wear in their mouth so they can chew on something while they're standing waiting for a face up no i never i didn't like them now they're probably better than they were when i played but i didn't like the feel of them so i never ever wore a, a mouthpiece when i played okay it's hard to talk well, and yell at the other players and yell at the rest and stuff <laughs>
0: There you go. Oilers come up a bit short today in Carolina. Derek Ryan, the only goal of the game, 2-1. Hurricanes is the final. Uh, Let's go back to the rink here, and it is Zach Hyman.
2: Zach, a tightly contested affair, but uh, coming on the wrong side. How did you see that one unfold? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think we uh, lost special teams battle there and
4: won one game at even strength that we were pushing, just ran out of time there at the end, um, but, you know, competitive
2: game. They're a really good team and, and we showed up, just uh, fell short. One of the best power plays in the league and often it's come through in big moments. How disappointing is it to go 0 for
4: 4? Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, uh, I think that they got a good penalty, call, obviously, but we're, we're a confident power play and a really good power play. Uh, you know, just one of those nights you couldn't get it set, set up, couldn't
2: get it going, but uh, you know, I thought our five and five game was really, really strong. Three games against three top teams in the Eastern Conference. Does this really identify how important the small details are? When you look at these games, the details of what either won you the game or lost you the game, especially a game against uh, Carolina tonight.
4: For sure. I mean, I think that, it, you know, it's, it's encouraging for our group to go, you know, play this, these three games, just the back-to-back for us against three really good teams. And, and you know, we came away with one out of the three, one wanted more, but I thought we played well in, in all those games. And, uh, you know, and later on when it gets down in the nitty-gritty in the playoffs and, and whatnot, games are tight, teams are good,
2: and, and this is a big learning experience for us, and, and we'll be better moving forward. Uh, how disappointed were you guys with the start? Uh, obviously, being heavily outshot in the first period, down two nothing, was it just too much to overcome?
4: Yeah, it was tough. I thought you know, we, we scored the first one, but it was offside. Obviously, it's just uh, which is unfortunate. But uh, no, I mean you don't want to go down two nothing. But uh, I thought our group battled back. You know, we thought we we, we, we uh, you know there's two things you can do: you can either lay over and, and let them run over you, or you can battle back and, and play hard. And I thought we did that, and uh, we ended up getting one, but just fell short.
0: All right, that is uh, Zach Hyman summing up this game for you. The Oilers lose 2-1 of the Carolina Hurricanes. Rob, we talk a lot about greasy goals uh, in this game. You know, it it was tight, and neither team was perfect, but both teams worked pretty hard, and I thought played desperate. But the the best chance, and forgive me if I'm missing something here, but the, the best chance the Oilers had in the third period would have been a greasy one. I mean, Benson just threw that puck at the net, and Sevier went for the bank shot from behind the net. I mean, Anderson didn't know where the puck was and, and Sevier just couldn't get it to go in.
1: It was funny. When that happened, I started thinking, when I played, uh, you rarely ever saw that. Uh, guys like Mario would try that or Wayne Gretzky would try that from behind the net. And then I'm thinking, here's this guy, Sevier, who's been in the press box. He's out on the out late in a hockey game and he tries to bounce one in and, and, and did a wonderful shot. Just unlucky it didn't bounce in. That's the difference of the skill level nowadays from when I played is guys didn't even think to do that unless you were the elite of the elite. Uh, It's a smart play. Any bad angle shot is a smart play. And there was another one today where, I can't remember, someone came down the side, I think it was Hyman, and threw it at the, the net and hit the goalie and bounced right out in front and the others just missed the rebound. But again, you can't control it properly as a goaltender if it comes from a bad angle. You just simply, because you're not set up properly, you're not set up the correct way, because at that point, you're just trying to block the shot. Uh, the Oilers, uh, they tried getting greasy ones. They threw pucks on that. And I like what Zach Hyman said. We just ran out of time. And I think that was it. They, they were pushing. But uh, Freddie Anderson was good. And the Carolina Hurricanes did a nice job of keeping everything to the outside in the third period. It was a little, uh, probably both coaches were a little disappointed at times during the first 40 minutes of defensive play. There were some lapses. But in the third period, both teams played a much smarter third period, and Carolina was able to squeak home and squeak home a one-goal victory.
0: Actually, Hyman had that good chance in the third, where he his power game down low. He walked oh. in front and flipped that backhand, and and it went off Anderson's arm. He's he's Reed, He's as good as anyone I've seen at taking the
1: puck from behind the net and put it into a goal-scoring situ, situation as quick as he does. He turns either way. He can do it on either side. And I, I, a big part of it is his strength. Most players, if I was to try to do what he does, where I take the puck and come right out in front, I would get hammered and you'd go flying. But his his sense of balance, his strength on his skates, uh, he, he can absorb someone hitting him and still make the play on net. Uh, it is a talent that he has. And it creates. even if he doesn't score, he's now brought the puck into the blue paint. And now it's just whack-a-mole. Everyone's trying to hit the puck and put it past the goaltender, and there's confusion. So, uh, again, Zime, Hyman didn't score tonight, but I thought Hyman had a very strong game again.
0: Shots per period, too, Robin, mentioning how it did kind of tighten up in the third there. Carolina outshot the Oilers 16-8 in the first. Oilers came back, outshot Carolina 16-6 in the second period, and then just 13 total shots in the third, 7-6 in favor of Carolina. Edmonton with the advantage for the game, 30 29 Carolina gets the goals. One extra one. 2-1 is uh, your final this afternoon. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630chett.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village featuring Alberta's own Brant Lake Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. Okay, we'll go to the CertainTeed Hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Nils standing by. Hi, Nils. Go ahead.
5: Hey, uh, I just thought these past three games have been uh, extremely interesting and I'm sure like, uh, very useful for the coaching staff as a, a litmus test for what we might have to encounter in the playoffs because um, going up against these three teams, which were almost three of the best teams in the league, rather than them being the kind of teams that are those that go far in the playoffs through crash and bang, chaos, pull yourself through heart and soul to win playoff games. These three teams have all been extremely system system based, extremely um, basically all well thought out. And uh, it shows what you your team's deficiencies are. So the fact that we went one and two against two of the best, te- uh, three of the best teams in the league actually shows a lot of optimism, I think, in what, what we have to go forward. Because, uh, as far as those heart and soul teams, that's kind of unpredictable as to what to expect. But in the playoffs, w- this shows us basically what what we need to fix before it goes in, and we're very lucky to have gotten three in a row so as not to say that, oh, maybe that game was a one-off, because this, sh- this really showed, us especially with Bouchard, some things that weren't really visible before. But um, I was just kind of wondering, uh, all season – although I know the, the preseason is kind of, you can't really take it seriously. Perlini, I remember he had six goals in the preseason, and it seems to me whenever he's been up and given more than two or three minutes in a game, he's had a really high shooting percentage. He's been very good as far as I've been able to tell, but he's not really being given a chance, as, uh, I guess from an outsider's perspective, and I'm not quite sure why, Um so I'm wondering, do you guys know why a player might be held back like that or what Perlini in particular his uh, deficiencies might be? Yeah, um, that's a good yeah, question, good, Nils. Thanks. Yeah, very
1: good question because we we were very big fans, you and I, read early in the season or in the preseason with Perlini. Uh, when the Oilers are fully healthy, I don't think Perlini is good enough to be in their top nine and he would be probably their 11th, 12th, 13th forward, somewhere along that line if they're fully healthy when they have run into a bunch of injuries like they have right now, I do believe that there could be a spot for him. The problem for Perlini now, and this happens on every team in the history of the National Hockey League, it goes by who knows you. And the new coaching staff has a comfort level with a Benson, with a McLeod, players like that, because he's coached them before. He knows what they're capable of doing. He knows nothing about Perlini. So I think there's an advantage for for certain players right now that have played for uh, Jay Woodcroft before. Um, I thought Perlini, actually, for a guy that hasn't played forever, jumping into a game against the Carolina Hurricanes, I thought he looked good tonight. And you you referenced it, Reed, after one of the periods. He had a two-on-four where he turned into a partial breakaway. He he, he was physical in his chances. Uh, he, to me, he's, he's capable of playing with the lineup that the Oilers have right now. He just has no... Um, familiarity with the coaching staff and they have, they don't know him at all. So they're going with what they know, but uh, yeah, good point. Uh, Perlini to me is capable of playing with the lineup that the others have right now, probably more minutes.
0: I also think in Tippett, cause I, I did late in Tippett's tenure. I, I did ask about, you know, tip uh, Perlini's inability to sort of get in the lineup or, or stay in the lineup. And he did have that stretch, early January where he scored three goals in four games mm-hmm. and uh, never played more than 13 minutes in any of those games. He he doesn't play special teams either. I mean, he is not no, a penalty that's killer the at thing. all. And may, like maybe, maybe he would be in the rotation on your second power play unit. If you know, like today there might were guys hurt or whatever, but I, I, well, I think that hurts him as well.
1: Well, yeah. And in, in all honesty right now, Benson's taking the spot that Perlini would have. Benson is on your second power play unit. Benson's one of the 11 forwards that are playing. So it'd be Benson or Perlini, and Jay Woodcroft knows Benson. He's had him for a couple of years in the minors, know all his strengths, all his weaknesses, and it's easier to play someone that you know than to put an unknown out there. So it's not fair, but as I had a coach, Kevin Constantine, in Pittsburgh one year, called me into his office and said, hockey ain't fair, get used to it. And I think that's what Perlini's seeing right now.
0: Okay, Oilers fall 2-1 to the Carolina Hurricanes. You're also going to hear from Cody Cece. This is Heartland Ford, Overtime Open Line. Let's update the Edmonton Trailer scoreboard. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. So right here on 630, Chad, the Oilers lose 2-1 in Carolina. Dallas wins 4-2 over Buffalo. The Blues lead Chicago 3-0 after two. Jets and Coyotes tied 2-2 after the first. Some other games coming up later, Rob. So the Dallas game affects uh, the Oilers the most, that 4-2 win over Buffalo. So that gets Dallas to 61 points. Same amount of points that the Oilers have. Uh, Dallas does have the tiebreaker because they've played one less game. So they have the uh, points percentage. But but again, it's starting to to space out a little bit. So Dallas and Edmonton, in terms of points, tied for that final playoff spot. Edmonton's only uh, a point out of third in the Pacific. They're one behind Vegas. LA has won five in a row. They're uh, four ahead of Edmonton, three ahead of Vegas. Anaheim there with 59. Vancouver, 56. They're five out. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the Jets at, uh, at 53 points. Um, you know, the Oilers are going to have some games here coming up against teams lower in the standings. I, I heard what you say to Bob. I know they're not must wins, but they're should wins. You got to win most of those against the teams lower in the standings. And, I mean, a huge one for Winnipeg against Arizona today. I mean, the, the Jets have to win it's even more desperate for them to beat those teams beneath them in the standings. If they're going to stay in the race.
1: Yeah. They're not at must win yet either, but they're pretty darn close is they're, they're not only are they falling behind in points, but they're falling by behind a number of teams and uh, the Oilers are in, a, in a, a tight race in both the division and in the wild card. to me, just looking at the standings, uh, I would rather If I'm an Oilers fan watching the games, I'd rather my Oilers catch Vegas and play L.A. in the first round than the Oilers be the second wild card team playing Colorado in the first round. Colorado's one of the elite teams in the the National Hockey League. You may have to play them eventually if you're going to want to run to the Stanley Cup, but I'd rather not see them in the first round. So important games coming up. The the team that's surprising, though, is the L.A. Kings. I, I thought by this point they would have fallen off. Uh, but we we saw them a week ago. The Oilers won, but you you leave that rink knowing that you were in a game. They play playoff hockey, and w- another interesting thing will be uh, what is it now? 21, 22 days from now, the trade deadline to see which teams add a little bit more to their current roster. Is that teams will be looking to try to get better for this playoff run? LA look needs a little bit of goal scoring to add to their to their repertoire of uh, of hard workers. So. It's getting interesting. It's getting fun, and I always found as a player, once your game left, or games remaining, gets into the twos, into the 20s, yeah. then it gets exciting. Now you start watching the standings a little bit more.
0: And the Oilers still play the Avalanche three times. They haven't played them this year, so talk about benchmark games like... <laughs> these three were, th- those are going to be some as well, because uh, Colorado having uh, having an awesome season. Oilers lose 2-1 today to the Carolina Hurricanes. Derek Ryan, the only goal unassisted, his eighth of the season, his fourth of the weekend. Uh, really good performance in net by Mike Smith. He stops 27 out of 29, but has to take the uh, the loss this evening. And, and again, Rob, I, I think that's to me, we, we placed a lot of kind of, we, well, we kind of grouped these three game, games together, even though it's a five-game road trip, because it was teams two through four in the standings, the Oilers' worst game of these three was the one they won.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree, one hundred percent. They, uh, the Oilers probably, if a world is, is is fair, if the hockey world is fair, the Oilers probably should have come through these three one one and one, one win, one loss, and one tie. And the thing is, it was a, should have been a win in Tampa, a tie here tonight, or an overtime loss, and it should have been a loss in Florida, the way the team played. But what the positive you take out of it, two of the three games, the Oilers were very good in against very, very good uh, opponents. So I think you feel happy, excited uh, about that if you're an Euler fan. The one thing that you don't want is uh, there was so much made of this three-game set by media, by fans, and certainly uh, I would imagine by the coaching staff and the players, you don't want to have a letdown when you play against Philadelphia and Chicago to finish this trip because if you don't go in there and get three out of four or possibly four points, then all of a sudden that big win in Florida was for naught. So the Edmonton Oilers have got to finish this road trip off. by. You don't look at the result. Go in and get the, play the same style you played tonight, the same style you played against Tampa, because over the course of the season, you will get more wins if you play that way. They played really good in those two games, but you can't have a drop-off in your level of compete when you play against teams below you in the standings.
0: You know, Craig McTavish was on my show earlier this week, and he said that exact same thing. So the Oilers were coming off that horrible game against Minnesota and and taking on these three good opponents. And Craig McTavish said if, if he were coaching and looking at the whole road trip, he might be more concerned about Philadelphia and Chicago because he would think, okay, we're, we're going to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. We just got embarrassed by Minnesota. We got some time to rest, practice. And he said he would have felt pretty good about the efforts coming up in these three games. He'd be more worried about Philadelphia and Chicago if he was thinking about no, 100% because you,
1: you there's players are don't ever want to be embarrassed. And the others were embarrassed against the Minnesota Wild and they knew that the three teams that were playing next had the had the ability to embarrass them if they didn't come and bring their their A game. So they were going to bring the effort. Now they might not win the games, but you knew that they were going to be prepared for them. Where you get scared as a coach, and Greg Matavish would know, is when you play against teams that you know that you're better than. You know that you should win. And sometimes you put so much thought and effort into these other teams that when you play against that, you just have a letdown. It, it just don't have the same intensity when you come on the ice. And it's, it, it's wrong in so many ways because, you know, if I got the same intensity that I had that game, I will, we will dominate this game uh the one thing that's happening right like chicago right now is getting beat up by st louis so they'll be an ugly team when they by the time the others play there too you can't fall asleep against teams below you in the standings because those are the ones that you want to make sure you climb on top of to move back up in the
6: standings
0: okay carolina wins it today two one here is oilers defenseman cody Ceci.
6: Um, yeah, I thought we uh, came out and we competed all all night. I mean, uh, they're a good team, and we were coming off a of back-to-back, but I thought we showed up. We played well. Um, obviously, we're in the business of winning, though, so we're a little frustrated. Uh, we just talked to Jay about the details and how important they
2: are, especially going up against a quality team like this. Uh, just h- how much do you guys kind of reflect on the last three games, the margin for error being so small? Because it seemed like
6: any crack that you gave these teams, it almost ended up in the back of your net. Yeah, I mean,. Uh we played some of the some of the best teams in the league the last three games, and we showed up. Uh, we showed up every single night, so um, definitely a step in uh, in the right direction. Um, frustrated with the with the results a little bit, but uh, we got to build off it. Uh, just maybe talk about the pushback from this team and what that
2: says about your club, because you guys. It's not like you guys hung your head and after the first period. You guys came back, made it tight. Unfortunately, you didn't get the result, but what does that say about your team?
6: Yeah, I think we're, uh, we're a pretty confident group right now um, with the way we're playing. We believe in the systems and, and each other. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if we're down by a couple, it seems that uh, everyone's there to pick each other up and, and push in the right direction. So um, I thought we did a great, great job tonight of uh, not letting the game get out of hand and, and fighting back. Uh, you've had some experience being Anderson's teammate uh, obviously he played well on the other end Were you surprised to see that kind of a performance from him because it seems like he's been in his mojo all season Yeah, no, I mean he's a he's a great goaltender um, and uh, a great guy as well uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see him doing well, but it would have been nice to, to be him tonight
0: Yeah, the Oilers only get one past Freddie Anderson. That's the story of the Oilers facing Anderson. As I mentioned earlier, 17-1-2 now against Edmonton in his career. That was Oilers defenseman Cody Cece as the Oilers lose 2-1. Okay, Rob, so looking ahead, I mean, we've talked about just playing the quality of the opponent with Philadelphia and Chicago and trying to finish out this road trip strong, but our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line... um, is probably playing without Ryan Nugent Hopkins again. I, I mean, I suppose we'll see, but he needed some sort of x-rays or imaging done, which isn't a good sign. Whereas Woodcroft came out and said with Yamamoto day-to-day, so hopefully he doesn't miss more, maybe more than the next game, hopefully returns. Uh, but with Nugent, that's a bigger problem because they've been playing the three centers with generally with success. And that that is a huge guy taken out of both special teams if he's unable to go for a while.
1: Well, it is because he plays 20 minutes a night and he plays important minutes. Um, the Oilers have felt very comfortable over the last little while with throwing three different lines out there at any point. They, they felt safe when their third line was out there, if it was a face-off in their own zone against the other team's best players because they had Nuge out there. Uh, Nuge, if he, I, I believe that he and Hyman are the two best penalty killers when they're together. And on the power play, obviously, he's been part of the top power play in the league for the last number of years. Uh, So there is a lot of different things he touches. So you got one player isn't going to fill that spot. Someone's going to do his power play time. Someone's going to have to step in in the penalty kill. Then obviously they need someone as a centerman on the third line. The team is not as good with R&H out of the lineup. But in a short spurt, hopefully, it's only a short spurt that he's gone, that you find guys that can step up. But it's going to have to be a number of guys. And I don't know if they, they dip into what they have in the minor system to come up is someone's probably going to have to come up because you only have 11 guys now up front. If someone steps awkwardly off a a curb on their way to the rink, they don't have another player that can fill that spot. So I imagine someone's coming up from the minors and then there's going to be opportunities for different players in different roles to show what they're capable of doing in case something down the road happens. They want to be the first guy put in that role again.
0: Well, like we mentioned before the game, that was a crazy. There was not a healthy scratch for the Oilers today. <laughs> if, if you, you were healthy, yeah. you were in the game.
1: Well, the thing that in, in a normal world, you can't go to a on a road trip with the exact same amount of players. You just can't in a normal world. And this is still a COVID world. So there's still a few guys on the Oilers that I don't believe have had COVID yet. So there's a possibility someone could get sick. Someone could get hit, hit in the morning skate. With a puck, there's so many reasons why you need extra players. So I would imagine uh, tomorrow or tonight, there'll be some transactions coming across where the Edmonton Oilers bring up uh, one or two players, depending on what Yamamoto's status is.
0: And Bob said before the game, he thinks Duncan Keith will play Thursday in Chicago. That would be his return there. Now, they may not have to send a defenseman down if they don't have enough, uh, uh, if, if they have No, but I, I would
1: think you'd want a forward but, up here anyways, just because right. if someone gets hurt in the morning skate or someone comes down with the flu, uh, you don't want to go with 10 forwards and 8D. You want to have someone else that's capable of playing up front because as we saw tonight, when you start the game with 11, someone goes out to get some teeth fixed, now you're down to 10. So very quickly, you start looking uh you start having to switch everything around. And we saw, I think, just about every line combination possible tonight. So I imagine even if Duncan Keith comes back, there may be a forward coming up.
0: Rob, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, man. You too. Take care. Our next game broadcast is Tuesday, Oilers and Flyers, 3.30 face-off show game at 5 here on 6.30 Chet Bob Stauffer. We'll have Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Get more on this game on 6.30chet.com or globalnews.ca. Carolina 2, Edmonton 1 is your final. Thanks to our studio producer, Angie Quinnell. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Take care.